The Lord is risen. The traditional greeting of the church on, on this day is, is not so much Happy Easter, but the Lord is risen, and the, the response is, he, he is risen indeed. It's right from uh, the scriptures, and it's nice. I didn't even train everybody to do that, and the, the entire crowd that is gathered here just knew to join in. And uh, Father Mark and I, before Mass, were, were seeing how many different languages we, we knew that traditional Easter greeting, and we were, we were getting a little bit lost in the, uh, the Slavic ones, uh, I think. But, uh, yes. And, oh my goodness, there, there's for all our Croatian and, and Slavic people. Christos uh, Aneste, Alethos Aneste. Those are the words that if you go into the tomb of Jesus in Jerusalem on this day, right now at this very moment, if you went into the tomb of Jesus in Jerusalem in the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, those are the words that you would see. The, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. I had a chance to, to spend an entire night uh, in the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre and spent like an hour praying in, in the tomb. And I, I got to, to kneel down and just lay my head on the, the stone where the body of Jesus would have laid overnight. And as I, I, I knelt down at that lower angle, I saw another inscription on on the uh, bottom of an icon that was right above the, the bed of Jesus. And it simply said, he is not here. He, he has been, he is risen as he said. He is not here, he has risen as he said, see the place where they laid him. And there I was laying, laying my head on the very place where they laid the body of Jesus. And, and it, it hit me that he, he's not here. I was in the very place where the, the first Easter happened, and I got to see the same thing that is described in our gospel today. Peter and John, they, they run to the tomb, the women are at the tomb, and they saw exactly what I saw when I was in Jerusalem to this day. He's not here. See the place where they laid him, it's empty. It's empty. Jesus is not there. He has truly been raised. And notice that it's not so much what they saw at that point. John goes in and it says he saw and believed. What did he see? He saw empty. It's not that John saw Jesus like Mary Magdalene did in the other accounts. Rather, John sees the empty tomb. He sees and believes in the emptiness. To some extent, that's, that's a little bit what is offered us every Easter, but on this Easter especially. Normally, we, we celebrate that, that, that the tomb is empty in Jerusalem, but I think there's a special kind of emptiness that, that fills us this Easter. Our churches are empty. Our family dinner tables that would be so full for Easter dinners will be largely more empty. There will be many things that seem to be missing on this day. And so we are in good company with perhaps the distress of Mary Magdalene as she goes and sees the empty tomb and, you know, where is the body of the Lord? They've taken him. I don't know what they've done with him. She meets Jesus, the gardener. like, if you've got his body, give, give it to me and I'll take his body. All of us, I think, can relate to some confusion amongst the apostles on this Easter Sunday morning. It feels very different. It's strange and it feels like something is missing. 
But again, we are in good company this morning with those apostles on the first Easter. Think how they experienced it. We know of the stories of Mary Magdalene, the other women, John, Peter. Most of them, we know, spent the first Easter Sunday morning locked in a little room, remembering what it was like when they celebrated the Eucharist that seemed so long ago after the tragedies and scandal of Good Friday. So we too gather today and it seems so long ago that we were able to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. We are like those first apostles, scared, maybe a little frightened, a little unsure, maybe hearing the words of Jesus as the apostles did that on the third day I will rise again, but not quite knowing what that means in the present situation. Sure, the apostles heard Jesus say, yes, I'll, I'll be crucified, I will die, and on the third day I'll rise again. But what seems very clear is none of them really believed it. They were rather afraid, scared, bewildered, unsure, locked behind closed doors on the first Easter Sunday morning. I couldn't help but think about that today. As right as Mass started, this is our, our normal time for 9.15 Sunday morning Mass, and uh, even in the middle of pandemic time, somebody was trying to get in the door of the church. And how strange is it that on this Easter Sunday, literally the doors to the church are locked, lest people accidentally come in and we break our quarantine and all things like this. The first apostles had their reasons, fear of the Jews, the gospel tells us, whatever it was, this year it's, it's fear of virus, there will always be something that will cause us to want to retreat. And this time, it's, it's, it's a good thing, okay? It is sad that we are not in a full church today, but it is actually a great sign, I think, of our, our love for our, our brothers and sisters, especially those who are most weak and vulnerable to the virus at this time. I think of my, my grandparents who are in the nursing home who I'd love to go see on this day and, and haven't been able to for, for many weeks. Okay, we, we think of all those, those things and those, those losses, uh, and we know that it's actually a good thing that we abstain from our large gatherings today. You know, it's uh, not for fear of the, the Jews. It's, it's not for fear, perhaps, that anyone is oppressing us. I think one of the beautiful things of this day is it's actually a great sign of our freedom that we abstain from our large Easter gatherings. It's not that we believe less or that somehow we believe that a virus is more powerful than Easter or that the, the, the government is powerful enough to shut down church. The government's not shutting down church today. No, no government could force Christians not to worship on Easter. Why are churches empty this morning? Our churches are empty this morning because of freedom, because of love, because we know what Easter is really all about, that we love our brothers and sisters so much that if, if you think about it, no, no government, no power in the world could prevent Easter. And yet our churches are empty. Why? Because out of our own freedom, out of the great love that Christians have, for our brothers and sisters, we say, for this year, for this time, we will voluntarily stay in our homes. No power can keep us locked in our homes on this day in Easter, but the power of the love of the risen Lord can. 
We want the, the message of Easter to be peace, not, not terror that we would spread disease or, or things like that. And so for this Easter, even our, our separateness, our staying home, is a sign, I think, of how much we believe in this message that Jesus's death, his resurrection, it's more powerful than anything. Satan doesn't win because we, we don't gather in our church today. Rather, love wins. Love for the least of our brothers and sisters, the ones that most need to hear the truth of the gospel. The truth of the gospel today is that nothing can stop Easter from coming. Even if we have to celebrate it in our homes, in little groups, via live stream on the internet, it's Easter. Satan didn't stop it. The virus didn't stop it. In fact, it comes to us this year in an even greater way. Now, there are only so many homilies, I suppose, you can preach during pandemic time that somehow reference the pandemic. And, and yet, isn't that what's on all of our minds I thought of this uh, as I heard people talking on the, the internet, and I, I've tried to stay away from it even as much as possible, so I, I really don't know maybe all the things that have developed. But one thing that I hear over and over is about what it will be like when this is finally done, when, when finally we can come back to our church. And we know for the apostles, it wasn't until Pentecost, really. You know, seven weeks of Easter later, that they, they finally spilled out onto the streets with the full joy of the risen Lord. So we're, we're okay by, by the calendar. We, we've got maybe seven more weeks of pandemic time, maybe more. We're all right. There will come the day when we can spill back onto the streets and proclaim physically to the world that Jesus is risen and the Holy Spirit is with us. That's true today, just as much as it will be whenever that day comes. But what will it be like when this is over? Well, I challenge you on this day that I hear so many people saying, I can't wait until I get to go back and do this again and, and fill in whatever you want. I can't wait till I get to play baseball again. Will baseball season ever come? I can't wait till I get to go back to the symphony. You know, I, as much as I can listen online and watch things, I'm, I'm ready for the, the symphony to play again. All, I have all this time now where my instinct is, ah, oh, this would be great. You know, it, it's raining outside. It, it would be great to go to the, the, the museum today. I'd love to go to a museum and spend, I can't do that. It's closed. I would love to go out on Easter and, and, and celebrate uh, with a big dinner or, or go to a restaurant. I, I love to, to go out to eat and experience all the, the beauty of creation that God made in various foods and can't do it. Okay, and the instinct, I think, would be to say, I can't wait till I get to do that again and fill in whatever it is for you. All right, that's, that's, that's natural. That's all of us saying right now, oh, I miss this, I miss that, and I miss all these things. And, and when the pandemic is over, I can't wait to go back to those things. But I would say that the season we've entered of pandemic time, I guess it's the the fifth Sunday of pandemic time now, if we're keeping track. Um, it's, a, it's also a little bit like a retreat. And, you know, priests are required to go on retreat every year. And we, we leave our ministry behind for like eight days, maybe, and, and we go pray. If you're really lucky, you get a chance to make a 30-day retreat. And according to the exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, 
You know, you go and you, you're in silence for, for 30 days and just prayer. And I, I had a chance to do that several years ago. And the thing you notice is that you spend a bit of the first days of the retreat detaching from the, the things that you're missing. Like, oh, I miss talking to people. All right, Ooh, I'm not going to talk. I'm going to be quiet. I miss my, my normal stuff. I miss my normal food and I, I miss my bed and I, I miss all perfectly normal. But eventually, as you enter into it, now the, the mourning, the, the grief, however brief it might be, of leaving behind starts to subside. You enter into the, the silence of the retreat and you allow God to envelop you. The, the movement of the exercises of St. Ignatius are to be that you, you enter into, in the middle of it, into the passion of Jesus. You meditate on the passion, and then you finish the retreat of 30 days meditating on the resurrection and, and the triumph of glory and the life of heaven. That's the, the movement of the retreat. I would suggest, brothers and sisters, that we have entered into such a time that we, perhaps through the first four weeks of pandemic, I've probably focused a lot on, I miss this, I miss that, and I can't wait till it's over, and then I can do this and that and whatever again. Okay, maybe as we go forward from here, we are, we are not exactly at the end of the retreat yet. When I made my 30-day retreat, I was going through a really dark time in my life, and my retreat director, the one person I got to talk to every day, he said, Sean, you you've kind of been in the passion the whole time. And I, I don't think the resurrection is here yet for you. It's going to take more than 30 days. It's going to take a longer time. Well, it's Easter Sunday, and there's a sense in which, yes, the, the truth of the resurrection is here, but I, I guess we haven't reached the, the peak of pandemic time here. The, the rate of infection and death will probably continue to increase. I, I, I think we are still in the midst of this imposed if not chosen 30-day and longer retreat. But maybe we've turned a corner in which by now we ought to be at a point where we can say, I no longer focus so much on what's gone. We can enter into perhaps a, a new kind of normal. And if we do look to what comes next, let me, let me challenge you with something perhaps you haven't thought of. And this is the reading last night from... Uh, the Easter Vigil, the, the seventh uh, Old Testament reading, and it's from the, the prophet Ezekiel. He is, of course, speaking to a time when Israel is in great suffering. God has allowed punishment to come upon his people because they turned away from him. They were worshiping pagan gods and things like that, and God had to lead them into to exile to, to purify them. Hear now the words of the, the prophet Ezekiel. I will sprinkle clean water upon you to cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols, I will cleanse you. I will give you a new heart and place a new spirit within you, taking from your bodies your stony hearts and giving you natural hearts. I will put my spirit within you and make you live by my statutes, careful to observe my decrees. You shall live in the land I gave your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. Notice Ezekiel is not talking about just go back to what you were doing. 
He speaks in the beautiful language of clean water to give you a new heart, a new spirit, not back to the old. I think that's where we can turn the corner today, brothers and sisters, and and stop wishing for, I can't wait till I go back to the things I was doing. Let's look forward to say from now, in the light of Easter, what new things is God doing? Now that he's purified us over these first four weeks of pandemic from all the things we were doing. Okay, maybe some of those were good. Maybe some of those are bad. Maybe some of those we don't need to go back to. Maybe in the new light of pandemic time, we could say maybe the things we thought were life and death and the most important things in the whole world, maybe they're not that important. Looking forward, let's not say today, I can't wait until I get to go back to whatever. Let's be open to the new spirit that God wants to put in us, the new heart. Let's not just go back to putting God second place in our lives and putting a bunch of stuff and busyness before him. All that's been taken away. Good. Good, I say. Now, what will God fill us with? What new spirit does he want to give us? This is what happened with the apostles on the first Easter. They, they, they couldn't go back to doing what they're doing. You know, Peter tries. One of the gospels on, after seeing Jesus risen from the dead, he's like, I don't know what to do now. I, I guess I'll go fish. Peter, you just beheld God die and rise from the dead. And now you're just, you're just going to go fish? You can't go back to being a fisherman. Remember, when he called you, Peter, Jesus said, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. Okay, a lot of us right now are focused on, I can't wait till I go fishing again. Oh, Jesus has something so much bigger for us than just to go back to go fishing. This could be the moment that is as big for us in the church now in 2020 as it was for the church in year zero, year of the church, okay? Imagine what God could do. And I think that's our problem. We don't imagine it. All we can think of on the first days of the retreat are what's behind, what's left, what's been taken. All right, the body of our Lord has been taken. That's what Mary Magdalene encountered on the first Easter. That's a little bit what we encounter on this Easter. We can't receive the Eucharist. The body of our Lord has been taken from us. The first apostles found that an occasion to mourn, to be sad. They, they were comfortable with the body of the Lord the way they knew it. Jesus, someone I could listen to and talk to, someone who I, I could even give a hug to, who I could sit at his feet. Mary Magdalene could wash his, his feet with her tears and dry them with her hair. This is how they knew the presence of Jesus. They, they knew the body of the Lord. They were even willing to accept that the body of the Lord was, was crucified on Good Friday. They could accept that now his body is in the tomb. All that, tragic as it was, was at least familiar. They thought they knew what the body of the Lord was about. They did not imagine the body of the risen Lord. And note that it's, it's not the same. Is it the same body that died on Good Friday? Yes and no. The, the risen body of Jesus does things that even the, the divine and human body of Jesus did not do before his death on Good Friday and before his resurrection. The risen body of Jesus walks right through walls into locked doors. The risen body of Jesus appears in multiple places. The risen body of Jesus is able to breathe the Holy Spirit on the apostles and give them a power they never had. The risen body of Jesus is not the same as it was before his passion. And the risen body of the church cannot be the same after pandemic as it was before. 
We cannot go back. We should not want to go back. We have to imagine that God is doing something so much greater if only we will be open to it. That is the great hope held out for this Easter. Maybe not the same, not the full flowering of a web. We can't smell the lilies like I get to here. Okay. Forget the tomb. That the tomb is empty. Life before pandemic time, empty. All gone. But that empty tomb reminds us of what's not there. Everything that we were comfortable with, everything that we thought we knew, it's not there. See the place where we laid it. That's where I, you know, there's my baseball glove. That's where I, I used to play. Uh, there's, there's my pile of tickets to the symphony, all not used. All right, fine. See, see the place where all that used to be. But then as we bend down, lay our, our heads on the place where the body of Jesus was and where we think it ought to be, we will discover, as I did, as I was in the tomb of Jesus, that in the truth that he is not here, that the things we're comfortable with are not here, something much greater is in fact here. The tomb is empty, our churches are empty, but the church on this very unique Easter is anything but empty. The church today is full of hope, full of the power of the spirit, full of potential potential, potent power. We are filled with it today in a way that perhaps we've never been because we are filled in a way that we are ready to spring forth. We don't know when that day will come. We don't know when the word will be given, but when it is, I can't wait to see what happens because we are not empty today. Today, we are full, full of the spirit, full of power, full of the hope of Easter. Amen and Hallelujah. Yeah. Yeah.